0: The views and opinions expressed in
1: the Golden Boot Podcast are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of the Golden Boot Podcast as a whole. Y'all ready to get rolling? Quiet on the set. Hey, welcome back to another episode of HBCU Hour. It's your boy Pooh Bell. got my man Aunt Petty Murphy in the building. Four hundred degrees. What's good, man? How you doing?
2: What's that? It's a Monday. If a Monday ever Monday, my boy.
1: I have to agree. Um, So I was thinking, I was trying to, I think I had, a, I thought I had an extra day. Uh, But Dylan is having um PE day at school, like parent PE day. Parent PE day. Yeah. You come in and do like PE with the, you know, say with the kids and stuff like that. Oh boy, like they better
2: not ever had that in my kid's school, boy. Yeah. Uh, and I I'm was a, like- I'm gonna mess around and pull a hamstring out there or something.
1: Yeah. He told me, I was like, uh, I said, yeah, you got PE day on Wednesday. He said, nah, it's tomorrow. Started. <laughs> mm. oh, i started sweating already uh um, we well, better go
2: stretch tonight
1: gonna be pulling <laughs> I'm gonna, the hamstring I'm gonna tomorrow. To, i'm gonna have to drink water uh <laughs> i'm gonna have to go back to yesterday and start drinking water but nah man it's a uh it's a good night man it's a good week we got draft coming up this week it seemed like it creeped up really fast yeah it did it's been uh, interesting to say the least yeah uh, we, we've been talking, uh, I think this year is a, 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 year that, uh, we see a lot more HBCU guys taking. Put a number on it. When we talked to, to G, we talked to, uh, um uh, Jared. Jared, Hughes. He, I'm sorry, Jared Hughes Jr. Cause you know, people get mad when we leave Huggins names Jr. off. Yeah. Jared Huggins. Why I get Hughes? Um, Jared Huggins Jr. Uh, he said. He was he said he could see six, but he think realistically four.
2: That's what I'm I'm going for. I'm gonna say four.
1: Yeah, I think we see possibly ten get invites. Though. Ten. Oh,
2: I about to say ten. Oh, you saying invites. Invites. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I see what you oh did that's there. including
1: the draftees and stuff. I see what you did there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So but we're gonna see. We got an expert that's gonna come in and help us out with this. Um, I've been looking forward to this. This, this, you. This, 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 gen- this gentleman, this gentleman is, is uh, and it's bad because I just talked about gambling last night. But this gentleman <laughs> has helped me win <laughs> a lot of money. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> like, uh, this is one of the few people he's
2: been putting in work for years literally, years. Yes,
1: yes, one of the few people who actually does talk about FCS, uh, breaks down games and stuff. Uh, and it's it's like amazing. It's amazing. It's a great lane. Uh, I don't know how he has time to do it, but he does. He gets it done. Uh, but shout out to the you know some people in the chat. What's good, Dave? Dave already laughing at us. I'll be laughing. Yeah. 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 but But, uh, man, before we get started, man, shout out to our sponsors over at BetOnline. BetOnline.ag is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, including the latest player reports for this year's pro basketball playoffs. BetOnline is your always your sports information headquarters this season, as we have you covered for all your sports wagering needs. Basketball, MLB, NHL, hockey, right to the UFC and boxing. online is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games you can play right from your home. Head on over to BetOnline.ag today, or you can use your mobile device to get into the action. Be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, that is B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. I wish we had that. I, I'm gonna get that Bulls intro music. Oh yeah, yeah. That's what we need because when we have certain guests, we gotta have that music. We gotta have that music. But uh,
2: man, how you made the graphic? And you didn't put Zara the playbook
1: on there.
2: I just I realized
1: that. I didn't. I didn't. But when I asked him what he wanted, you know, send the titles he wanted. That's what the titles he gave. That's what the title well, I went with. The honestly, you could
2: have just put, instead of his name, you could have just put Zara to play, but we would have known who it
1: was. Yeah, you absolutely right. My apologies. I'm going to have to update that. But, ladies and gentlemen, coming to HBCU Hour, none other than Mr. Emery Hunt, founder of Football Game Plan. He's an analyst for CBS Sports, HQ, and Sportsline, college football color analyst. He is the czar of the playbook. Welcome to HBCU Mister Emery. Thank you for joining us. How you doing? I'm doing fine, guys. I appreciate you guys bringing me on the
3: show, man. It's it's, it's a it's a pleasure. Oh man, we
2: we we are very grateful to have you here, brother. It's an honor to, for you to be here with us today and talk some football, man. You wanted the best to do it with, so glad to have you
1: here to do it. Now, let me ask this cuz I want to before we jump into this draft. I want to ask this. How one do you find time to to even like all the FCS and just, you know, say pick up on stuff and have these great breakdowns? And uh how did you know say how did you even get started to even, you know, wanting to do FCS?
3: You know, it's it's funny, man, because when when I started football game planning in 07, it was just a website um and up in 09 we were like okay how can we transition and and i kind of saw the how the future was going to be it's like people just are they're not reading stuff anymore they rather watch stuff they want to see stuff and so my background um is in communication so I, I knew how to do camera work and and lighting and mics and all those good things like that so i could i was like it's easier for me to say what i want to say than to write these articles find pictures and, uh, you know, constantly update the website. I'm going to just put this, set this camera up um, and set up a set and then say what I want to say in five minutes and then move on to something else, move on to the next video. And that kind of took off because we we're kind of one of the first ones to jump into the space of video. Then in 2011, we did podcasting when no one was doing podcasting. And we had a call in show every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. To, to 11 a.m. And it was pretty dope to do. Because, again, now you're just you, you're introducing people to something new. Um, and that kind of took off. Uh, but it really started when, you know, going through playing, in college, playing college ball. And I remember we lost um, all our FCS games one year. We, we lost to Northwestern State. We lost to Jacksonville State. We lost to uh, Sam Houston State. Shout out to Josh McCown because he lit us up that night. We was like, yo, we didn't know White Vic was out there, like, (laughs) running around all over the place. He was killing it. But so that kind of – like, man, if this dude that we played against is dope and he's now playing as a rookie for the Arizona Cardinals, and I know dudes that I played with that ended up going into, you know, other schools and transferred, and and then they get into the NFL. It's like I know there's way more talent than – you know, the SEC and Power Five and other schools like that. So when I started to do our website, it's like, you know what, man, we're going to cover everything, you know, because we had a pretty good handle on, you know, we were just watching college football. It's like, you know, we got a pretty good handle on it. Um, And what really got us jumped off was we were one of the first places to to predict App State beat Michigan. At the time, people thought we was crazy. App State was still in the FCS. They knocked off Mm -hmm. Michigan. That got people to the site. And so we saw a lot of people from the FCS constantly talking about, oh, this place was over here predicting the FCS games. So it's like let's just keep, you know, we'll do weekly FCS uh, previews, weekly FBS, and we'll go D2, D3, and we just kind of kind of cover it all. So I, I watch a lot of football. Um, I you know, and when you're watching football, you're constantly watching it for for years in advance. So you, you have a pretty good uh, depth of knowledge, uh, an encyclopedia. So now when you're watching, you could pick up on stuff quickly. And plus me calling games helps me also prepare for stuff. So it's it's all that you kind of do and, and see that keeps you involved and keeps you abreast of what's going on around you, which is how I'm able to go through different leagues and different subdivisions of college football to really uh, break down. And I kind of like it, too, because it kind of broadens your perspective. So you're kind of seeing everything from a 360-degree uh, point of view, which helps you then be better in the NFL, be better at major college football because you're spending time doing all the things around it.
1: Yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you didn't catch that, he no ball,
3: <laughs>
1: plain right. and simple.
3: And I coach for <laughs> a year too, so all yeah. that stuff kind of matters, man. Like, yeah, everything that you do kind of leads you to where you're going. So, wow. you know, I was I, I, point being, I watch a lot of football, and also to you know, to I see you guys talking about, uh, School and elementary school, I don't have kids either, so that also frees up a lot of time, too. So, yeah, 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 I
1: definitely uh, shout out to ESPN uh app, uh, shout out to Hulu Live because I'm able to you know go to these different (laughs) events and still keep up, you know, not lose my mind. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I know you, you talked about covering D2 and D3, you were one of the first people who I heard talk about uh, St. Thomas. I, and i was like i started hearing that you know seeing how good and then pete somebody else thought i said yep i heard about them i heard about them like, they're gonna be good so it's just it's it's like i said i don't get how you have i mean i understand you know can you, you do you know cover it, but having that time not even just that time being able to use those resources to find this information because um the internet doesn't tell you a lot. Uh, when you start looking up these schools, they don't ne- may not necessarily have a social media presence and stuff. So, um, and that's one issue we find with, uh, especially because when we're covering HBCUs, we don't see a lot of that information because it's uh, social media is not there. Uh, most news coverage isn't going to cover it a lot. So, yeah, it's definitely a, a monument. So, yeah, that's a good
2: question. How do you? How do you? But like find all your information is it is it just connections with coaches and you know like relationships that you built over the years or do you like go to some of these schools and you know get you know first hand looks at some of the practices and things of that they like how do you build your database of all your knowledge
3: well that's a that's a great question because i feel like a lot of folks when they see let's say us on tv or whatnot and we're talking they just assume you know we just pop up on TV or in the studio that they are on, on air, and we just go go off, right? Mm-hmm. So, let's say now, um, every we're talking about the NFL draft, and after the draft, a lot of people go ghost, right? And just some people mm-hmm. go on vacation, some people do whatever they, you know, they just kind of take it back. You'll see people pop up on the shows every now and then talking about draft picks or whatnot. But for me, and this is where you build your knowledge, and this is where you build your your base for the following fall. You know, I'm at certain colleges. I'll go down and interview a couple coaches. You know, last year I went to Benedict to interview, you know, Coach tennis Berry. I was over right. at Allen interviewing their coach as well. And so you kind of, you know, you you're around schools. And then where I live and you know right outside New York City, from you listen, I from Boston down to, to DC, and you know, so there's so many college programs in my concentrated area you know what i'm saying so i can get to a lot of practices see a lot and also you put in the work too hey i know now that the draft is over i gotta start getting ready for the fall so you have until may through august to start you know watching film on last year trying to check on rosters who's coming back who's in the portal Now in the you know, you probably have notes from the previous year about certain teams that you watch. Okay, this guy's graduating, he's going, he's going, he's gone. Or this, I remember watching this and they did X, Y, and Z. Oh, this coach is still here, so I kind of know what to expect offensively and defensively. But you spend those times in, you know, May, June, July, early August, just kind of watching film and and you know, getting make sure the rosters are updated and getting prepared for the upcoming year. So that that year when a lot of us go like go away or go dark is we're just prepping you know prepping for the upcoming season and for some that means just prepping for they only cover the sec or i cover nfl but for me it's like you constantly are on it because i'm also at giants camp every day you know training camp mini camp otas so i'm getting ready for the nfl season in addition to getting ready for college season so it's just a lot of and you got to budget your time and when you're able to you know stay disciplined and budget your time and make sure you kind of treat it like a regular nine-to-five workday, you're able to get a lot of stuff done. So, therefore, when the season comes, you know, it's easier because then during the season you're just, re, you know, reciting what you what you know and what you've seen or what you are, are going to anticipate. And that kind of helps me also when I, you know, call these college games because then my focus in is, okay, I have this Morgan State, Delaware State broadcast this week. So, I know I start prepping for that on, you know, we have, production meetings on Tuesday over Skype, uh watch a game or two about each team and then I'm ready for the for the game on Saturday. And I, That work is done earlier in the week, especially when you call certain teams consistently. Like, it, you know, if I see Morgan State once and I don't have them again next week, that's less film I have to watch on yeah. Morgan State. Now, really, I'm yeah. just preparing for the opponent. You know, yeah. so it's kind of, it, it becomes easier as things go on, but the bulk of your work is done between May in August.
2: So what basically what I heard is ain't no such thing as off season for never, Hunt. Never.
3: <laughs> 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 not, it, it, like it may seem like it, but um, yeah. you know, just even for preparing for the draft, man. I put out a, a draft guide that's over a thousand individual <clears throat> scouting reports, right? And people can find it at footballgameplan.com slash 2023 draft guide, right? Full color PDF, over a thousand individual prospects, and I spend two months watching film and breaking down those prospects and just putting together that draft guy. So now this week, people can ask me about anybody. I'm ready to go. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I have damn near unseen seen everybody. Yes. But, you know, I like that. I you know, I kind of peg myself as Mr. Day 3 because while everybody else on, every other network is on Day 3 talk about Day 1, I'm going to have mm-hmm. all the information on everybody that's mm-hmm. getting picked up and everybody that's going to be signing right after the draft. So that's just how I go about it. I like to be prepared. I like to, to be in the know. And uh, that's the work I put in that shows you like, hey, this is how you get to where you want to be. You got to really like grind it out early and then sometimes go a little bit later. Yeah. yeah.
1: I know when, originally when when we reached out to you, uh it was like, just so people listening, who, who are listening, how the sausage is made. I think we reached out maybe it may have been like late January or February. You were like, hit me up in March. I got to take care <laughs> of some stuff. I got a scout mm-hmm. report. I was like, okay, gotcha. I was like, Wow, that's... people, don't,
3: people, people think people like to think I'd be joking, man. But like, if you notice the time, like, because all of January I'm on the road. Because if you mm-hmm. see me at these different All Star games, I'm at all of them. I was at all eight, including the um, HBCU Legacy Bowl in February. So I'm at all these All Star games, but I'm also breaking down film in the hotel room before practice and after practice, right? But the the process of the scout report is twelve hour days, m- Sunday through Sunday. Right? And you knock that out, you know, until you're up at 5 a.m. and you kind of shut it down at 6 p.m. so that way you could kind of, you know, get rest, relax, go have dinner, do whatever you need to do. Um, but you got to stay disciplined on that because so that's how I'm able to get through a thousand prospects. I, I would love to be, you know, half-assed like a, like some people out there and <laughs> talk about yeah, the same yeah, 35 yeah. players all day, like, nah, yeah. that, that can't <laughs> happen, but, that, yeah, but that's yeah. the work that really goes in,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it's for one of my favorite tweets that I saw from you. Uh somebody said something, I think, because you talked about running backs, mm-hmm. and they were like, they said something about oh, this guy picked all running backs who are like five, eleven, and shorter. And he said, Oh, I got time today, and That's you right. <laughs> <laughs> and you broke down and you kind of explained why you, you know, saying chose these players, and it was just like, It's it's amazing that all that work you put in. Um, and again, I know everybody doesn't understand or know exactly what you do, but all that work you put in, and you still get somebody who you know what I'm saying on on Twitter or, or something that like, right. ah, he doesn't know what he's talking about. It's funny you bring that up because I said that on the Thursday, because all because I had
3: B. John Robinson as my second running back, but Jameer mm-hmm. Gibbs is my number one running back. Right. Internet went crazy. Friday, the reports come out from ESPN that oh, some teams have Jameer Gibbs number one. <laughs> and Bijan, I'm like, but when I said that yesterday, y'all told me to go sit my black ass down. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And I
3: look at y'all trying to, yeah. oh well, well, you know, teams got kind of, like, oh yeah, yeah. But when I tried to mm. tell y'all that earlier, same yeah. thing in July, I tweeted out, in the tweet still, I'm waiting for draft night though. The tweet's still out there though from July when I said Anthony Richardson is number one quarterback in the draft before this dude even played a season as a starter, and now, and I got a lot of heat back in July. Now you look at where we are. This dude might go top five. So Uh when you do the work, and when I say stuff, I'm not saying it just to shoot off takes. The work has been put in for me to even tweet that out there. I'll just be out there on Twitter all day tweeting out takes.
1: Yeah, definitely understand. Um, Let's jump into the draft Um, and some some of your thoughts on some of of the players. Um, HBCU. We were kind of talking about it before the show. Uh, A lot of times with FCS, you know, players um, and HBCU, the biggest difference in in those teams is typically in the trenches. Um, So it's kind of rare that you see a a big man, um, an offense alignment or a defense alignment, unless outside of edge rushers, um, get taken in the draft, unless you're a a Teron Armstead and, you know, a a guy like that. Um, So it's typically skilled players that you see taken. Um, what are some of the guys, I guess, skill guys, that you may that you you kind of got on your radar HBCU-wise that we may see taken this year?
3: I got to start on defense. Uh, you know, Isaiah Bolden and Keenan Isaac. Those two guys have been so impressive throughout this whole all-star game circuit. You know, I saw both guys at the NFLPA Bowl, and I was also able to see um, Isaac down at the HBCU Legacy Bowl. And the, the cool part is, is when you watch them at the NFLPA Bowl, they're going up against power five players and players from the FBS. And the length and athleticism showcased themselves all throughout the week. You know, you talk about long guys, press guys, press corners, ball skills. In Bolden's case, he's a supreme athlete. Um, so he can, you know, run fast, jump high, all that stuff like that. But he's up, able to play anywhere in the secondary. He can play both mm-hmm. corner spots. He can play inside as a slot. He can play both safety spots. So he's someone that that gives you that versatility and also has the athleticism. Isaac is someone I think really helped himself out because he measured in at 6'2", because he measured in that 188 and showed the press skills and, and, and ball skills to play the ball when it's in the air. But you go back and watch him against Auburn last year, uh, not this past season, but in 2021, he had a really good game. So for me, watching those guys out there compete against the Power 5 guys and do a great job and bolden played great in the NFLPA game. Uh spoke volumes to what they were able to do. In terms of receiver, I was very impressed with, you know, what you see from uh obviously everybody talks about Xavier Smith. He's quick in all directions, you know, he's he's a, he's a thin guy. Um so that is kind of going to limit his role, you know, right out of the gate as uh you know, probably just a special teamer until he's able to, you know, get acclimated to a pro strength and conditioning program get his body up and then get out there as a slot receiver. Holloman from Tennessee State was a really good uh guy to watch, big physical receiver. Um can play inside or outside uh, and you know it's funny cuz a lot of these skilled players um were able to find themselves getting drafted by the USFL right away. And um do mm-hmm. you think about at running back Wilson from Fort Valley State, Emmanuel Wilson was was really good uh both at the NFL PA Bowl and also um, at the HBCU Legacy but watching him catch the ball away from his body. You look at Morgan State's running back, Alfonso Graham, I called a lot of his games. And uh, what I loved about him was the fact that during the season, you, you see he had a great sense of timing. And, you know, when I say this guy has a great sense of timing, it's like when you're watching a game, as let's say just from a fan's perspective, you're watching the games like, man, they really need a big play right here. He's always making the play mm-hmm. at the right time. Um, so he he can fit not only as a return specialist right out of the gate, but also as a third down back.
2: And he talked about the the rare instance of having a, a guy from the trenches get drafted, but this year I think we might be one of those instances where we have a HBCU guy get drafted on the offensive-defensive line. Do you think Mark Evans gets drafted? And if so, why is he one of those rare guys that would get drafted?
3: I think he does, and I think what he did – um, at the East-West Shrine Bowl will help him get drafted because we know he was a left tackle for Arkansas mm-hmm. Pine Bluff and he was outstanding. I, I always tell people go watch the game uh, this past season versus Lane because now you're going up against Andrew Farmer, who's also a guy that may find himself not on, if not in on day three in the seventh round, definitely priority free agent getting picked up because he's six three two fifty and can rush the passer. And both of those guys, you're looking at two pro prospects going head to head, but Evans. Came from playing left tackle at 6'2. Um, because you know, obviously these websites lie every roster, two yeah. inches, 10 pounds, right? So he gets yeah. to the trying game, <laughs> and I'm looking at him like, wow, he's kind of he's short for a tackle. He measured in at six two. I was like, okay, so he's definitely not playing tackle at the pro level. So they kicked mm. him inside. He he looked really well doing so. Then he was able to go down and play center. And when you combine, you know, left tackle pass pro skills. With footwork mm-hmm. on the inside, it transitions seamlessly. So whether a team views him as a guard at 6'2", 298, or a center at 6'2", 298, they're going to be in great shape. So I think because he's able to kick down inside and was able to hold his own at the, uh, the Shrine Bowl against Power 5 competition uh, day in, day out, and looked like he played center his entire life, I think this is someone that's going to see himself get called. Because, again, we know the NFL and in offense in general People talk about the tackle position and oh, you know, man. I think they overrate tackles with the real offensive line play is one is guard center guard. And if you're strong there, you're gonna be good offensively on both ends. And Evans gives you a chance to do that.
1: Yeah. Man, uh it's funny. We asked you, you know, I asked you about, you know, players. There are some names people are like, but what about this guy? Because mm-hmm. it's some it's some names that are very popular amongst the HBCU uh, fans that were not mentioned. Um, for one, Aubrey Miller, especially especially with this being draft week, I've seen all the Senior Bowl highlights. Um, him basically running through uh, Spears from uh, from mm. Tulane, uh, dominating drills and stuff. Uh, but you know, saying I, I, and I'm not saying. You know, you're not. You don't think so, but it's great to see. You know, you mentioned those other names, but did also didn't hear Isaiah Land's name in, in there as well. Um, what a, what about those two guys that makes them special and gives them a chance?
3: Well, first of all, you said skill players, so I want to make sure I. You know, what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah, like, right, yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. I did, I did. <laughs> but when you talk about this, it's, you, it's funny you bring up Land because his case is so unique, and it shows you the development of. The HBCU athlete, but also shows where they are when they're when we're watching them on Saturdays to the potential they can be if you just give these guys an opportunity. Right. Because we know the the landscape just from a strength and conditioning standpoint is so different from power five to HBCU. You know, what I'm saying not even group of five from power Mm five to HBCU. And, And here's what I say about land. Land came in, we know he played at 6'2", two hundred and fifteen pounds at Florida AM. It was like, all right, obviously he's not gonna be an edge rusher at 215 pounds at you know in the pros. Yeah, so he gets to the senior bowl. It's like keep in mind this is late January, right? Early first week of February. He gets down to the senior bowl, he checks in at 6'2", two twenty-six. It's like okay, he put on about 15 pounds. That's that's good. He's trending in the right direction. He also played off ball linebacker, which showed you, okay, now he has versatility and flexibility. He could play off the ball every practice, he got better to where he started to look a little bit more comfortable as an off ball outside linebacker or inside backer, whichever one they wanted to use on a particular play. Then we get to the combine and he checks in at 6'2, 236. And it's like, okay. So he done went from 212, 15 playing at Florida AM. To now he's 236, and you're like, you know what, man? He might, he might could play as an edge rusher now, but we now seen him as an off ball linebacker. His stock is going to shoot up. He's going to get, I think he's going to get drafted because the weight has gotten to where you expect it to be, and there was no drop off in athleticism or fluidity of movement skills. But just imagine if you just looked at him as a, you know, 6'3, 215 pound edge rushed out of fam you you would have said "Nah, there's no way he could translate but we haven't these a lot of these guys don't get these three meals a day of the proper type meals until they start Uh training for the pros and, and you know so watching his body quickly develop and you combine what he did on film it's like oh this dude yeah he's gonna find himself getting picked because he's trending in the right direction aubrey miller you mentioned the senior bowl. i was down there as well this again it was fantastic to watch him just blow through all these running backs right so first of all, people came in the week talking about him as a core special teamer, and that's still on the table. Yeah, he could do that. That's going to be easy because he's going to be a rookie. But then they start to see what he brings to the table as an inside backer versus the run. He's able to run, chase sideline to sideline. And then when I went back and watched his film to in preparation for the scouting reports and stuff like that, there was a game against Bethune. It was a third and about three. He ran off tackle to the left, and he stuffed it you know what i'm saying was able to you know stop the guy just short of the first down so it's fourth and one they're on their side of the 50 and they run the same play this time he blows up the the back no gain turnover on downs and you watch that like man he has instincts he looks to hit he's not one of these peekaboo linebackers or these waiting and see linebackers he's seeking out destruction and he finds it so he's dominant versus the run and we saw the athleticism of him being able to chase guys around and maybe covering a short zone area. That's fine. And I feel like you know when you combine that with his special teams, and it doesn't hurt that his teammate James Houston had a really mm-hmm. good rookie season. You know, so there's an there's a pathway to where people say, okay, I know what they developed down there at Jackson State. I'm gonna take another shot on Aubrey Miller. And so when you watch those two guys play and how good they were defensively. Sometimes the tape is hard to ignore, especially at those positions where you're looking at outside linebacker, inside backer, core special teamer. Those two guys will find themselves on somebody roster. And even Joshua Pryor, the edge rusher, he may be a priority free agent, but he was from Bowie State. Go back about four years. He was uh, three years. He was on the senior bowl radar, right? Senior bowl watch list. And then you kind of like, well, what happened to Josh Pryor? Come to find out he had dropped so much weight. You know, he had dropped down. He was six two two seven He was then you saw him in uh, in the fall. It's like, wow, he's lean. He's like 225, 221 Wonder what happened. Then you find out, like, okay, he was going through some things, and now he's gotten his weight back up. So he got down to the uh, HBCU Legacy Bowl, and he measured up at uh, 6'3", 6'4", 6'3", 235, 245 pounds. That's perfect for him because he was a dominant pass rusher three years ago at Bowie, and he didn't transfer uh, up to Morgan State um, you know, with Coach uh, Damon Wilson, like, a lot of people just thought he was going to, you know, transfer to Morgan yeah. State, finish out that last year. He stayed at Bowie, still became a dominant player, and now we saw what we saw from him three years ago. So he's another one. I think because he had a, an excellent week at the HBCU Legacy Bowl, Could going to be another guy that we're going to see um, as a priority free agent uh, get in on the roster right away.
2: Most of the time when you look at HBCU and FCS football, you have guys who, are you know, kind of slider of build. You know, we talked about the trenches, guys being kind of smaller, things of that nature. But there's a guy from Bethune who looks the part. I mean, he's first team off bus. You know, he get off the bus first. All right. Do you think because of his size and his athleticism that Kamar Averett gets a shot? Maybe not a drafted but maybe a UDFA or something like that. Or is the
3: XFL, USFL going to be the route for him? You know, good question, because I feel like those two leagues are always lurking in the background, right? Because mm-hmm. that's yeah, if I'm yeah. if I'm running one of those teams, I'm doing what New Jersey did at the HBCU combine. The combine was on Monday. They watched these guys work out. They watched these guys run the 40, do all the combine drills. Then they had the, the the positional workouts. Then the next day was a USFL draft. Next thing you know, like six guys, uh, New Jersey drafted four dudes straight from that HBCU Combine. I think um, uh, a couple of guys were on defense. They had an o lineman um, that got drafted, if I'm not mistaken. But I know Avery was another one that got picked that got drafted as well. And the the thing about him, when you're watching him run routes, you're like, and you're looking down at the the measurement, you're like, man, it's that's six six moving like that, like 6'6, mm-hmm. 250, yeah. moving like a wide receiver. Like, man, it's hard. And granted, his age is gonna be a, a th- you know mm-hmm. a thing. So that's gonna push him out of the draft and be in that priority free agent range. Um, but yeah, he's got a shot, man. And again, the good part about I tell these athletes I talk to all the time, like it's a it's a great time to be a, a football player, bro. You guys got options. You got yeah. XFL, USFL, CFL, you got the European League of Football overseas hey,
2: arena coming back, arena no, coming arena back. back. You know, so you got yeah.
3: you got Mexico has a LFA, you know, they're playing right now, but you got options. Like, so embrace his opportunity. Know if, the, know if the NFL doesn't shut the door, you can go get some, some tape, play some ball, just mm-hmm. like we saw Jeremy Higbottom recently get mm-hmm. picked up by the DC defenders, and he's on their roster right now. So, it's a great time to be a student athlete, an even better time to be an HBCU football player. Yeah,
1: definitely. I don't care what nobody say. Averett is not 6'6. That it, it's going, 10-1-6-8. I'm, I'm 10-1-6-8. he 10-1-6-8 gotta be 6-8-1-6-8. a legit six snake. I'm a, I'm a, every time I, you know, somebody I talk about and they say 6'6, six, six, I think about that. That, uh, uh, the bad boy, Reggie, how old are you? 15. Nah, you you damn near 30. 6'6, <laughs> <laughs> six, six? nah, he ain't six, he, That, that boy's 6'8, gotta be at least. Yeah. At, since we, at, since we brought up the
2: USFL and the XFL, my bad, Pooh.
1: Oh, no, you could. Um,
2: since we brought that up, I kind of want your opinion on how you think since those leagues are in existence now and they've shown that, you know, they're not scared to take a chance on a HBCU or FCS guy. And we've even seen them find the diamond in the rough, you know, Kevontae Turpin type guys who, you know, made made it to the NFL and, and made an impact at the NFL level. Do you think the emergence of these leagues will force or kind of cause NFL teams to take more chances on HBCUs and FCS guys and try to find the diamond in the roughs? And and risk finding them before they get found by a USFL team, and now you're competing with other NFL teams for
3: them. I, I don't think that'll be the case because mm-hmm. if you're the NFL, all you you you're gonna always be able to scrape off the top. Yeah, right? that's true. Right? So you're you, gonna always you can. It's gonna be like a funnel. You're gonna work power five on down because of the athleticism that's necessary to play in the NFL. There's just a, you know, if you guys spend enough time at an NFL training camp and you look at body types and you look at athleticism, you're like, okay. So it kind of helps you when you go scout college players. Like, oh, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. That's going to work. That's the NFL body. That's not, you know what I'm saying? So you can pick and choose. But if you're the USFL and XFL, you have, if you're looking at it from reverse side up, like we got a ton of untapped potential that we can grow, develop, and cultivate our own stars. I think that's the route they have to take. So instead of trying to get an AJ McCarron Who's 34 years old to come and play for your St. Louis BattleHawks? You go and get a Jeremy Hick bottom, allow him to play and you know grow and develop. And if he's you know grows into a superstar, the NFL going to grab him anyway. But if he grows to a very good player, you got a good, very good football player that can help you win. That's earning the paycheck. The salary is going to increase over time as a. This is only year one for XFL, year two for USFL. Just speaking of the USFL in general and talk about HBCUs. If you're the New Orleans Breakers, don't go and get a McLeod Bethel Thompson that's 34 years old that has played a lot of ball mm-hmm. in the CFL, coming off a Grey Cup championship with Toronto, let Aquil Glass play because yeah. he needs the reps, he needs the, the game tape, he needs to play, and he's young. So, therefore, now if you're watching, you know, if you're a young kid watching the USFL, you say, oh, wow, Aquil Glass, I remember watching him at Alabama AM and m while he's playing this league, and now they're excited, now they're invested, now you got a fan for life. If mm-hmm. you just get this... You know, old guy, just because you want a veteran guy like the dude on his one foot out, that doesn't do the league service. It doesn't do your team service. It doesn't do a quill glass in the service. You want to get these guys yeah. reps. So there's opportunities, but some GMs, some coaches got to start seeing it as, hey, man, let's just try to grow and develop these young players, but also cultivate our own stars and give these guys, you know, time to get out there on the field and play. Yeah, that's a good point.
1: Um one of my last question, well, one of my last questions, I say it like that because it's always so as somebody once said it always depends on the last answer. Um Jadakiss Bonds out of Hampton. Um size, uh I think it's inconsistency with the hands, but he's got that speed, that breakaway speed. Uh, what are his chances or or, or of of kind of getting that invite because I, I mean I, I don't think it's gonna be a draft but I do think possibly an invite. Yes, I think the
3: invite is definitely in play because he's someone that like how you guys are shocked that Kamari Everett is not six eight. I'm shocked that he that Jadis Bonds measured that six two. I was like nah. Like I've I've been on the field with him. I called their game when, when Hampton played Monmouth. I'm like like he is not six two man like he's clearly six five but he mm-hmm. measured him at 6'2. And so I'm gonna call him 6'2. But he's someone that um runs good vertical routes, like knows how to stack and track a defensive back. He tracks the ball mm-hmm. rather well. You talk about the hands being inconsistent, okay. That's cool. You know, I, I agree with that. Um, but you can't coach height, you can't coach you know, acceleration, and you can't coach ability um to, to really uh make enough, make a play. And I think he does a good job of making a play. Um, he had a really solid week at the Shrine game, him and Shaq Davis of South Carolina State. I called Shaq Davis's game when they played Morgan and you saw him as well. Another tall receiver um, that, that can play skinny and slide past, you know, defenders in the scene and stretch your defense vertically. So both guys will get opportunities. Um, and I this is the part I hate about the process. You know, when they get these mini camp invites, hopefully they are able to sign as undrafted free agents and not get a, you know, a tryout. Cause you go to these, these mini camps and it's a tryout. You have 90 guys, 90 rookies out there trying out, right. Or, you know, mixed in with the draft class and the, the guys that are actually signed. So, you know, you have like nine guys that are signed officially as, you know, undrafted rookie free agents along with the seven guys that draft. So, you know, 16 rookies out there, 90 is going to make it. But the other 74 guys, you like, Man, it's going to be tough for these guys to get reps. Like, for instance, yeah. Dylan Baldwin, who played at Jackson State and then transferred to Michigan, right? He was at the Giants um, rookie minicamp last year, but he was a tryout guy. And he had maybe two reps during the full 7-on-7 uh, period. Had a great catch in 7-on-7. The other time, uh, the ball came his way. it was It was overthrown. Of course, you can't show anything in two Absolutely. reps. Mm-hmm. out of two days, you know? Yeah. And so he gets released, but he ends up getting signed by the Browns and ends up making an active roster and getting in a game later on in the, in the regular season. So, but that's the tough part about, you know, when you go to these rookie tryouts and you seem me like, man, it's, it's tough. You know what I'm saying? It's tough to make a day, especially for an offensive lineman. Cause you're out there with no pads on and you can't really mm-hmm. show how you could block, yeah. you know, with no pads. Same for D lineman. Yeah.
2: So, my my last question is, I asked him earlier, if you had to put a number on it, how many of you think HBCU players you think get drafted in these next three days, well, during the three-day draft?
3: Full disclosure, last year I thought was the best year for HBCU talent. I've seen them quite some time. Like, from the quarterback, you had elite quarterback play. You know, you had excellent receivers of all types, you know, big outside guys, big inside guys, small inside guys. You had solid O-line and D-line play. You had great corners. You had really good safeties. I was like, you're going to see at least 10 dudes get drafted. And we didn't see 10 get drafted, you know. This year, I don't see it as as, as I saw it last year in terms of the the type of class. Mm
4: -hmm.
3: So I'm going to say three. I say we get three guys drafted. But I, I, I heard you guys earlier. I do feel like 10 will sign total undrafted free agent contracts. Um, because you got Jordan Lewis of Southern, you got mm-hmm. uh, Joshua Pryor, you got you know, you got some guys, you know, uh, Jai, uh, Nun, Lynn, or, uh, Jai, Jai Nun Lin or Jai Jai uh, Liddell, Jai Liddell, whatever you know, it, it, he, he was fantastic at Kentucky State, older prospect, but he was laying the lumber down at the HBCU Legacy Bowl. You're going to see some guys, get you know, get opportunities because there was some talent out there. Um, I called him a triple B from Fayetteville State. Uh, Brandon Barnes-Brown, or uh, Brown Barnes. He was solid. He got good size, good athleticism. I think he'll get an opportunity. And now that, you know, Joshua Williams opened up the door for people to recognize yeah, Fayetteville right. State as a, as a pipeline. Mm-hmm. So I think we'll see guys get signed um, as opposed to getting drafted. I think we got three. This year, that'll get drafted from the HBCU level.
1: Yeah, that's the only FSU I'm gonna recognize on this show <laughs> uh, <laughs> to, until after week one. Um, uh, but uh, we had our man Simple say, Man, I like that Raging Cage and get in the back.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, though, yeah, 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 that's you know what I'm saying. A little, little, little something, uh, back in my youth, you know what I'm saying? Back, back, in, <laughs> back the I'm, I'm about to be 42 now. That was a long, long time ago. Good <laughs>
1: Well, listen, Emery. it was a pleasure. Truly, Definitely. truly appreciate you coming on, man. It it means a lot to us, man.
3: Hey, no, it means a lot to see yeah. you guys out here doing your thing, thriving and and carrying the the you know the, the brand and carrying the, the, the uh the genre forward, man. Like we talked before, like starting on YouTube and when nobody was doing it, and I watch you guys' intro, watch how you guys conduct yourselves, watch how you guys conducted this interview and how you guys are able to float back and forth with questions like it's it's dope it, me as an old head to watch you guys take and and carry the flag forward, man. It, it, I'm impressed with what you, you guys do, and it you know it's 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 cool to see because I know you guys are are well on your way. You guys can get to where you want to be faster than I got to where I am now because now we're seeing the, this more accepted. Um, in, in terms of this outlet and this platform, and I know you guys are doing a, a fantastic job. I'm I'm just impressed by the by the format, the professionalism, everything that you guys do, man. You got a fan appreciate in it, me. It, appreciate yeah, well, well, it, truly appreciate
1: it. it. Uh, we we'll have to bring you back uh, and talk uh, before the, before the season actually gets started, so we can look at next year and see who you know saying people need to get their eyes on. So definitely look forward to that.
3: All right, listen, you guys just reach out. I'm available, and I appreciate you guys bringing me on the show. Ain't appreciate no you, brother. Have a good one. Ladies man. and
0: gentlemen, that was Mr. Emery Hunt, the czar. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger or just stop by, Granger for the ones who get it done.
1: College football, man. Ooh. now we gotta go to to our when our our brethren, our brethren. We say he was our DEI university, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I had to bring him back, man. Welcome back to the show, Zach. What's good, man? How was it? How was your time down at uh?
4: Loved it. I mean, man, I had a blast down there, man. I appreciate y'all having me, man. HR is gonna be real pleased, man. Two times in a week, <laughs> I'm gonna get y'all. to get. <laughs> we mean that
2: quarter, bro. We mean that quarter, yeah. man. <laughs> hey, we ain't
1: gonna have, yeah, yeah, because you know we we had too many on there during, during February you know five obvious now just Well yeah, <laughs> 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 nah, man say hey I want to say hey dope interviews great interviews uh you know say down at Grambling with uh, uh actually one of our our good people man uh DK the uh who's I ah, got the student athlete you interviewed? right
4: um either is Lyndon or Sundiata yeah, Linden
1: Linden uh, he was like, oh, that's one of my former players. He he coached me in like uh middle school. So I was like, oh man, that's what's up. So um great to see that one, that with uh, uh with Hull and also with uh Coach Hugh, man. So uh definitely my first
2: definitely question
4: man. Was that, Did those bugs bother you as bad as they was bothering me, dog? Man, it was terrible, wasn't it? It was what, like, Right before halftime. Right like, before halftime, but they just came out of nowhere, dog. It was ridiculous. I mean, I was trying to like the, the game footage right before halftime was probably shaky because I was up there yeah. trying to fight on, fight for my life.
2: I They're flying everywhere. in your nose. I was, your just, nose, your I was mouth. wondering if it was as bad on the field as it
4: was in the stand, man, because they just came out of nowhere. The refs were oh. pissed. The rest didn't know what like it, it it was almost like someone like took a bag of those bugs and just dropped yeah, it on the yeah,
2: field. Exactly. But it was just like somebody just opened the window and they all just yeah. came out at once, man, because they just came out of nowhere, bro. But um, uh, I will say me personally, um, I was kinda impressed in the way the way Gremlin came out early throwing the football around, you know, those first couple drives with Calvez and uh Crowley. But it seemed like after those first drive for both quarterbacks, the offense is kind of stalled a little bit, and then when Hawkins got his first chance, it seemed like he kind of you know moved, drove the ball down and scored. So I don't know if it was just the scripted plays that each quarterback just really felt comfortable with, and you know they just I will obviously Calves first play touchdown, but you know I don't know what it was with the quarterbacks and kind of just a comfort level with the play call that they you know that they ran on the first drive, but. After that, the offense really just couldn't do anything.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think. Listen, I, I was really happy to see them push to push the ball down the field vertically. I feel like they really struggled with that last year. That was a Definitely. part of their offense that they really couldn't figure out. So it made them very one dimensional, and I feel like it it really hurt Hugh and John Simon last year because they you can't open up the playbook if you take all your vertical plays out. And people are loading the box. What do you what's your bread and butter in terms of creating explosive plays? You saw Maurice Washington and some of those guys like early in that Jackson State game. If you broke a run or two, it really opened up their offense. But if they were never able to get that going, they didn't have the vertical game to make defenses be honest. But they came out. First play touchdown, almost first two plays touchdown. If yeah, Lindon doesn't get caught yeah. there, um, but man, I, I was really excited to see the run game too because I think Maurice mm-hmm. Washington's NFL departure was kind of shocking. I don't think anyone mm-hmm. really saw that coming, but they're loaded at running back. Loaded, I mean, they got probably three, four guys that any yeah, given I think week I put could down go for a 100 elders is going mm-hmm. to be an issue when he gets when he gets going that that play mm-hmm. where he it was late in the game he took it like 70 yards and, mm-hmm. and no one could catch him that breakaway speed is elite and you got chance you got lamborghini you've got all these guys the weapons are there for grambling and i think the hire of tony hull who I really do think he's going to take the offensive play calling to the next level. Because like you said, after the after the game, he's the main play caller. Simon helps us to co-oc and I'm sure Hugh has some input, but it's going to be Tony Hall's offense. And I think that's needed for Grambling because they got so many weapons is going to come down, though. Can Crawley and Calves because someone separate themselves and be the guy week in and week out because they both have shown flashes in their career. But the consistency has not been there for either of them.
2: Okay, I'll be I'll be the guy. The unpopular guy. I think Hawkins mm-hmm. should be number two on that on that list. I mm-hmm. think I think Hawkins showed um, he was more decisive in his in you know in his reads and where he was going with the football. Um, I think Calvez still has a tendency to tuck and run a little too quick and trust his athleticism a little a little too much. And like when you have those weapons you got with with not just Linden, but you know Nickerson and some of those other guys you got out wide. I think, and even the tight end who made some, who made some plays uh, in the red zone and a couple other plays. I think you kind of need to go with a guy who's willing to give those weapons a chance and who's willing to kind of stand in the pocket and make some of those tough throws. And obviously, one of those passes got you know kind of batted around and even maybe picked by Hawkins, but he was he's not scared to challenge across the middle and make some of those throws vertically that I think this offense needs.
4: I I was impressed with Gilmore too. I thought Gilmore showed a big step forward too, but what I was told kind of after the game is that it's really going to be 1A, 1B, Calvez, and Crawley. Hawkins is probably going to be number three, but I do agree with Calvez. That's what I said. I I talked to a few people after the game. I feel like the way he works through his progressions is not consistent for for the middle of the season. He gets one, maybe two reads. Once he hits that second read, He's looking for a way out of the pocket. And you got too many weapons, like you said. The third, fourth, fifth read, you never know. One missed tackle, and that could be a touchdown play that you're missing. And we we saw last year, man, you cannot get hit repeatedly. The the front sevens are too good in the swag, too athletic, for you to be a run-first quarterback right now. So you have to go through all your reads. And so that's why right now I would give Crawley the edge in the QB battle.
2: Yeah, it looked like he had a little more touch. On his throws too, like some of those. That one pass on the sideline, that it, 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 the receiver wasn't able to come down with it. But man, he, he, you couldn't hand that ball off in a better location than where he placed that thing. But speaking of, speaking of, uh, defensive lines, how, how impressive were you with, uh, with Grandma's front seven? I think Sundiata, I think he's gonna be a handful mm-hmm. this year, man. But uh, like, just give us your opinion on what you saw defensively from Grandma.
4: I think they got a lot of size, especially on the defensive line. Now, we know Lewis Matthews, what he brings at the linebacker unit. I still want to see a number two develop. I didn't see anyone that really stood out. But linebacker is probably one of the hardest positions to really, I I guess, scout. You hear NFL scouts say that. It's very hard to tell you know, is this guy the dude? So I didn't see a true number two, but you got to have someone to replace Joshua Reed, who's now off to the NFL draft or the next level wherever he winds up. So that's a big question mark for me. But I thought for defensive tackle, they had so much size and they got a bunch of dudes who are just bulls where they're going to move the pocket, they're going to collapse the pocket, and they look like pretty solid run-stuffers. i want to see them get more disciplined. There were a few times where they they looked like they got too far upfield, which uh-huh. opened up some of those cutback lanes for some yeah. of those really athletic running backs. But Sundiata, what, top two edge rusher in the SWAT coming into the year, easily unquestioned, oh, I, I think, okay. consensus. is going to be an issue, man. I didn't know he was as big as he was. I know what it was listed on the website, but standing next to him, I was like, this is a – giant dude like this guy's gonna be a problem
2: moves, bro hey, it's, it's
4: unbelievable he was a problem i think i know they didn't keep like official stats i think he had yeah. three sacks yeah that's what i was about he was in the backfield all game yeah it, he's it gonna be an gonna issue be a problem. if yeah. if he can hit i think i think 15 sacks is a realistic expectation for him next year if he stays healthy all season sunday so on is gonna make a run for i think swag defensive player of the year and that's my expectation now edge rusher on the other side probably still up in jeopardy but we still got a second transfer portal window well let's see who kind of wins that battle but i I would feel comfortable if i'm cedric thornton knowing that if i need a play made number nine can go get me that play
2: yeah yeah, definitely and it looked like they they started a little shaky in the back end on the secondary but it looked like they kind of kind of got some chemistry and kind of gelled as the the, uh, scrimmage went on and Made a few plays back there. I think Jones um, with the big interception. They, he almost had two. but came down with he the should team. have. So, yeah, he should have had two. But so it looked like they kind of gelled on their own. But I still think they have a little bit of a, uh, things to address and clean up back there and tackling and you know things of that nature in that second end. But their defense looked like it's going. You know,
4: be right back where they dropped off last year at so. I agree. I think a lot of the problems I saw in the second year were communication, understanding mm-hmm. zone assignments, yeah. understanding who has who. Because there were a few times where they were, look. They from my perspective, it looked like they were trying to pass people off. And the guy who they thought was going to pick them up did not pick them yeah. up. And because you can't have downfield like the first play should have never. I mean, I don't never, know. There was that, nobody he, in sight. There was no nobody. In sight. Yeah. You can't in, like. Any game of the year, even if you're playing D2, D3, that's a touchdown against anybody. Touchdown against some high school teams. You have Uh. to have someone... In the vicinity, and they did it a few times. Like you said, it got better throughout the game. Number thirteen, and I think he's a true freshman. That kid looks uh-huh. like he's going to be an issue. But I think overall, communication is my biggest thing. But that will come with reps. They have a lot of new faces in the secondary. They have an elite, they have elite offensive weapons, Linden Rash and those guys. So I'm not surprised it looked like a weakness. But getting toward the season, they better learn how to communicate because there's too much talent at wide receiver and the swag for you not to be in position. Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
1: Let me ask this. Um, <clears throat> we know there was a change at uh, play calling. Well, let me ask. and it may be a little too early to to know. Uh, last year, it was assumed that Hugh was in charge or really behind calling the plays. Does it look like uh, Hull will be in full control?
4: Yeah, because uh, talking to Hull, he wouldn't have taken the job if he didn't have it. Like, when I asked him why Grambling was the place for him, he said, it, it, it's an opportunity for me to implement my offense. Mm. And I, I straight up asked him because I was like, you're listed as to co-OC, how are play calling? He said, I'm calling all the plays. And he's, no hesitation. I don't think Tony Hall's at Grambling if you says you don't get to call the plays. Gotcha. Just personally. And I think that's a good thing because I'm not, I, I don't want to jump the gun. I think there's an argument based on history. We'll see how it turns out this year that Tony Hall is one of the top offensive play callers in the whole HBC football. I think that's his potential. He has that type of history. When he gets his hand on an offense, he can be an issue, man. And listen, I mean, you guys are in Louisiana.
0: he know, was in oh, the yeah, high school yeah, ranks, I know, I know. they yeah, had some
4: was. ish. There were some teams that had to deal with some real issues offensively when Tony Hall was the head coach and was calling plays for them. If mm-hmm. if with the athletes that he has, as long as they can figure out quarterback, Tony Hole to me is the whole X factor behind Grambling this year.
2: I don't disagree. I think the offense and to the people who are <clears throat> in Louisiana, just think that LSU offense lists miles and then 2019 LSU. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying it's gonna be that drastic. But it's going to be to where you go from three yards in a cloud of dust to starting to see the ball spread downfield and push vertically. And I think for a lot of people who black and gold fans, that's not going to be something that they've seen in a while. But it's going to be refreshing to see. Probably hadn't seen that since Kincaid, honestly.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. My That leads to my next question. Um, with the addition of Miles Crawley, top to bottom, does that give Grambling the a- one of the best quarterback rooms in the SWAG.
4: Yes, it, I don't know if it's based on pure talentness because I like Miles Miles Crawley. I like mm-hmm. Calvez. I, I think Hawkins and Gilmore are what they are. But when you look across the SWAG, I don't think there's many, very many strong QB rooms. It might, right, it might be mm-hmm. by default. Yeah, you see a QB well, one. I mean, because well, there's QB I'm ones. Thaw- I'm gonna but... thaw-
2: throw this one at you because you're the one who mentioned it. You the one who put me on game by Texas Southern, Texas Southern or Grambling better quarterback room right now. Oh,
4: Grambling. Oh, okay. I mean, I, I think Andrew Body healthy. Like, let's remember this. He hasn't yeah, practiced all spring. Like, he's still that's, hurt. We don't know good. if he's going to be ready that, for the season. But yeah. you know, if if he's if he's fully healthy he's the best quarterback out of all of them. I think he has the mm-hmm. highest potential. I don't know if there's much argument about that. You know, they got the kid from Furman. I don't even know if he, he practiced in the spring. I go back and look. I haven't seen their spring game yet, but I don't think they have anyone behind them. You're talking about Grambling, who has four guys who have experience playing, and Miles Crawley, who I think a lot of people are saying is easily a top five quarterback in the swag. Should have been QB, one. it. Never mind. Yeah, and and you're looking. Coach, Coach Erod was wrong on that one, though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you look at you look at Alabama State, not a better QB room than Grambling. No. Southern, yeah. you don't know who's no, going to start in that one, and they just well, it, it's just a mess down well, there. Well, you could
2: argue that Southern's best quarterback wasn't the best
4: quarterback at yep. Grambling. Exactly, and I don't I don't think he's going to start for them. I don't think he should. I don't think he's at. I don't, I'm not going to say those, I don't think he's that good. I don't think he raises the ceiling for them. I think the freshman kid they got coming in from Louisiana is going to be an issue when things click. I I, I forget his name. I want to say it's like um, – oh, my goodness. I, I can't believe I blanking on the kid's uh, name. Zai, is it Zai? No, no. No, I'm no they, that got, nice. uh,
1: they, get,
4: they got – dang it. They got lunch uh,
2: – not lunch. Uh, what's the boy's name from um, – from Lutcher. Um, Winfield. Uh, was that his last name? Winfield. He had like 2,000 yards rushing, 2,000
4: yeah. yards passing. Yeah, he um, was a, he was a monster. And then you got yeah. Woods from uh, Woodward Academy too, who I think is a pretty solid quarterback. But you look across the swag, man. UAPB, Alabama State. We don't know what's going on there. Valley doesn't know who what they got at quarterback. Bethune Cookman doesn't know what they have at quarterback. We don't know what Famu has really and truly behind Musa. That's true. I mean, corn. you can make an argument with a healthy Aaron Allen. Making Aaron Allen is a strong, you know, two-quarterback system with with also Trey Lawrence, who, who played some games due to injuries last season. So, Alcorn's in that conversation, but you're looking across the swag, and there's not many options in terms of who do you put into the good QB room category, and there might only be two or three teams. Yeah.
0: Hmm.
4: So...
1: With the addition of, you know, Crowley, uh, the addition of Coach Hull, um, offensively, they Grandma should be taking a step up. I don't know if I want to go there this early, but I, I, I'm going to go ahead and go here. Plus minus – well, I ain't going to say plus. Over, under, six
4: wins. Over. over. Okay. I th- like I, I, this is how I put it because I, I I jumped on Doc's show on the drive the other night and they asked me just about the spring game. And I said, out of all the teams in the SWAC, like if, if I made a list of questions before every spring game going into spring, what I needed to know about these teams, I feel like Grambling checked off the most boxes for me. Agreed. Now, I don't think I don't know if they're going to win the SWAC or win the West because we know the West is going to be just pure chaos next. Mm-hmm. Who knows who's coming out of the West? Mm-hmm. But I think they made a strong case for me to be a top three team in the West next year.
2: Yeah, I got them number two right now behind PV.
4: You see, yeah, and I, I probably got them two behind Alcorn if I had to, like, rank yeah. them right now. Yeah,
2: right there. They all
4: right I, there. Them three Them three schools are right there in the mix together. Yep, yeah, I agree. I mean, they – because really and truly last year, they, they weren't bad defensively. No, nah, Grandma at, just at the, needed a quarterback last yeah, year. That's it. They, they had no But now they, now, they got, now they got
2: – now they got – A year more under the belt of the the quarterbacks they had last year, more experience for those guys. And you add in a Miles Crowley, and you add in an improved offensive coordinator with a defense that's just as good as last year. I mean, Mm. and and your schedule is a little more favorable this year also. So, I mean... Yeah, outside of LSU,
4: which I mean, I yeah, guess, but I mean, you yeah, know, I mean, you, you, you played Arkansas State last year, and you weren't yeah, same them same, leaders, so same type good. of same type of thing. So, and you get Hampton, what week one? Which mm-hmm, uh, that's correct. a game that they should win. You yep. can't lose to Hampton if you're grambling week one. Agreed. You Agreed. can't be zero and two after because LSU is week two, right? If I'm not correct. mistaken. Yep. So yeah, yeah, you can't be zero and two after that. Like Hampton's got to be a win out of conference because that would. Hampton gets drugged for being in the CAA and not being very good and everything, it would not look good optically for Grambling to do well in the swag and Hampton beat them.
2: Well, not just that, but we just talked about how they've answered all these questions this off season. And there's so much positivity around the program, so much optimism. If you start the season, zero and two losing to Hampton. And then obviously LSU, a lot of people are chalking that up as L already. But so, I mean, if you start the season 0-2, what does that do for all the goodwill that you just earned this offseason by hiring Tony Hull, bringing in Crawley, and all these types of things? It's almost like you done flushed everything. All the good that you've done in the offseason gets wiped away after the week one loss.
4: Yeah, like that that's a big thing. And then also, you've got to be – you can't have any, like, blowout losses in the SWAC. Like, I'm looking mm-hmm. at their schedule. You don't get Jackson. I don't, mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, I don't think they play Fam either this year. No, oh, off the top do. of my head. So it's like, man, there's there should be no one on your schedule that beats you by 10 plus points. Even if you drop a game, it should be competitive, in my opinion, outside of the LSU game. Yeah, no, no
2: fam you. They got um after so they got Hampton, LSU, Florida Memorial, oh. Texas Southern, PV, Alcorn, AM, Bethune. Alabama State, Pine Bluff, and Southern.
4: That uh, to get Bethune on the schedule over Jackson or FAM from last year, dude, that mm-hmm. is crazy. Great luck for them. So, I mean, that's listen, what I'm saying. The schedule this year is easy. You're looking at like if they don't get seven wins, you're looking at some question marks of if what happens. Seven wins, somebody's getting fired, and I'm not
2: saying it's gonna be Hugh, and I'm not saying it's gonna be Hull, but there's gonna be some. Like somebody's gonna have to go though, like, and there, it yeah. might be a scapegoat. You know what I mean? Somebody might be a scapegoat, but the fan base won't be happy if you if you go five and seven with this schedule. You I'm better win the saying. Bayou Classic. That might not even be enough. I mean, just just saying, bro. Like, it's some it's some people who are still upset the way fives was done. You know what I mean? And if mm-hmm. and if two years into it, we. As a fan base, we don't even have a winning record. Like we <laughs> it's gonna be some issues. Yeah. But I don't Ooh. think that's gonna be the case. I think he's gonna he's gonna shock some people this
4: year. It'd be good for the swag, too. Just think about it. I mean, Grambling and Jackson in the Swag Championship or Grambling Fam you Like, yeah. I feel like Grambling's one of those brands where you look at Jackson, you look at Grambling, even look at Southern, like those brands need to be good for the swag. Just like yeah. take it, take it out of like FCS or whatever. Like the name brand programs and all these conferences have to be good for the Big Twelve, Texas, Oklahoma always mm-hmm. had to be good. The SEC, USC you need, being yeah, you 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 got to have certain teams be good. ACC, Clemson and Florida State and Miami better be good. Like I feel like Grambling falls into that category for the SWAC where the SWAC is better if Grambling is competing for championships, and so you can't have a season like you had last year. I agree. Yeah, I wouldn't I'm be good.
2: upset. At, I wouldn't be upset at another. Gramlin North Carolina Central, uh, celebration ball.
1: All oh, the storylines would be crazy with that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting here looking at the, this schedule, and I can look at some games where I'm like, ah, it's a toss up, but I can see seven. You I mean,
2: I can see seven pretty easily. Yeah. I'm not saying easily, but you know, yeah, there's, a, there's only a few
1: games where it's questionable, in my opinion. All right, all right, um. Uh, Man, Zach, let me ask about this. Uh, kind of moving away from Grammer a little bit. Uh, we talked about Crawley; he's a transfer in, uh, but the current transfer portal itself is bananas right now. Um, we see that it was uh, after the you know the Alabama State spring game uh, a week or so went by, and now Alabama State is is hemorrhaging players, and I don't know if they're gonna stop the bleed. Yeah. Um, top talent too. Yeah, top talent. Uh, we see at uh Jackson State has lost some some players. Southern um, Southern. Um even old uh Boulder seemed to be leaking.
4: Oh no, nah, that ain't leak no leak, leak, leak dog. Yeah, that ain't yeah, no leak, 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 leak over there. They leak got leak a Titanic a over here description.
2: They got a Titanic over the hole over there, bro. Like that thing. That mega count like 20 give. in one day. That's be, all that's ridiculous. Yeah. So hey, they the little <laughs> the little Barstool Colorado. I know we're not supposed to be talking about this school in the mountains, but the Barstool Colorado uh Twitter account was like we about to break the record for most uh, portal entries in a day.
1: Yeah, they actually uh that, that, that mega <laughs> count can't hit, get here get here fast. I'm, than I'm than saying that. that the coach <laughs> said they're
2: coming, the player say we're leaving, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Uh <laughs> well they they say he'll laugh if uh if Grambling wins another Celebration Bowl before any, oh, of you and games. me both, buddy.
2: You <laughs> and me both, buddy. Oh
1: man, oh but, um, man,
2: that couldn't happen. Uh, I'm, I, as a matter of fact, we need that to happen, Dave. We need that to happen.
1: But, uh, but yeah, man, with the transfer portal, um, I know part of it is because of the windows they put in. We when, we're not necessarily seeing more people enter. We're just seeing more in a short time frame. Um, but is it is this a bigger issue or is it just like the same thing,
4: like I said, but it's just more attention on it now. Right. Mm-hmm. A little bit of both. Uh, I feel like, of course, with social media and, you know, you got every beat writer in America tweeting out every single transfer that happens and then on three is making a graphic and you got mm-hmm. two, four, seven and now everyone's posting offers. Yeah, the attention's probably made more of it, but I also think The incident of belay did such a disservice in terms of how they presented some of these changes, because I feel like it was, I don't know, I don't know. So growing up as like a teenager, like if your parents catch you drinking, they like force you to take more shots just to like enforce the fact that you don't like this hangover. The incident of belay said, oh, you want player freedom and player movement? We'll have all of it. So then we see all the issues that come with it. And now you're going to come begging to me to make more rules. That's what I feel like the NCAA did. They just unleashed a floodgates. No no way to manage it. No way to enforce any rules or anything. And then we just see all this chaos. And now that you see the NCAA start to enforce windows, you see contact periods, all these little things that already should have been planned out by the NCAA in the first place to prevent uh-huh. all the stuff that is happening. So I, I think it's, again, another NCAA disservice to college football and the student athletes. But, i think it is a problem at at some point man like because you see kids like you're a seventh year senior on your fifth school like how was that even possible like you can't you get the end of the day there's no degree progress you you can't there's there's no way you have a degree because Uh, you're just flipping schools not taking classes and traveling around like you're just doing a world tour at this point like you're doing what every kid wishes he could do and just be in college forever so you leave, my... you leave Lindsay Scott out of this, but go ahead. <laughs> hey, at least he <laughs> hey, he won the Walter Payton though. Shout out to him. He that's graduated from one of them
2: schools. Yeah, yeah, he, he did. did. <laughs> but,
1: like, but no, but, but uh JT Daniels.
2: Mm. Yeah, man. There's a basketball player who went to six schools in seven years. I don't know how, like, including Jucos and some of that. Like, I don't know how he
4: did it, but kudos to that man. That man got gear for life. That yeah, man, that's man that's never going it's ridiculous. Like, I, I don't understand it. And like, at the end of the day, I feel like there's so many guys, like, I feel like there has to be some sort of education or advice, like, like the NFL draft feedback system where like guys can sit, submit their names, kind of get some feedback. There's gotta be something with the transfer portal. Cause you're seeing so many guys who are all Americans, all conference, have a starting spot and have like one year of eligibility. They're like, we're going to take a shot here. And they wind up at new Mexico state. Like, really? Was that an upgrade? Right. But, but uh, uh, like, this is crazy. I think you should get some of the fire coaches like the Gene
2: Chizik's and some of those guys who don't really have a job right now and make a panel and let them be the ones that you enter your name and they say, Okay, I think you are a G5 level player, you know what I mean, and then okay, oh, you're a power five level player, or whatever the case may be, like some kind of talent event like that, and this let just let former college me. coaches do it, you know what I mean? Like those guys obviously know what it takes to play at those levels, but my question though is out with the whole mm. fifth years, fifth school, seven years, and all that is what happens to APR? That's a how do you huge question. how do you how do you track graduation progress rates and how do you punish if 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 I'm the fifth school that this guy's coming to and he obviously ain't on track to graduate do I get punished because he's not you know progressing in his degree program or his degree plan and like what happens to all these schools who they're
4: just left with the remains of what happened at his previous three schools or whatever the case That's a big question that still hasn't been answered. And also, like, guys don't understand that you have to do more research than just football fit. Mm -hmm. The list of guys that all of us could name right now that entered the transfer portal trying to go somewhere, and that school didn't even have his major. Yeah. So you can't go because progress to degree. Isaiah Land, Grayson McCall. Mm Mm-hmm. Both of those guys would be playing. Isaiah Lamb would not have graduated from FAMU or played at FAMU this year if, if the school he wanted to go to had his major. Same for yeah. Grayson McCall. Grayson McCall Best would be fix. in the SEC right now if the school he wanted to go to had his major. I know for a fact I've heard it from him. Yeah. He would not Best be fix. in Coastal Carolina. So it's just I don't think these guys are looking at it from like a whole picture. And then you also got – I've talked to – I had a parent of a guy from the SWAC who entered the portal and decided to come back. And he said, I, I I told him, I told my son, why are, why did you spend all this time earning your right to be the guy? And you're a leader. You got one year left. Why would you risk it all, bet it all on red to go try to take someone else's spot at a P5 program and try to be the guy there and give up your spot? You worked all this time for so someone could just walk in and not have to compete for it.
2: Yeah. And then, and you're trying to go beat out a guy who done spent the last three years becoming the guy. Yeah. He ain't finna just let you walk in and take his spot neither.
4: And then how many so, times man. do coaches lie? How many stories <sighs> could you guys get of uh, of people talking about, like, this coach promised me this, promised me that. you got all these dudes with one to two years left of eligibility, and you're betting that this dude mm-hmm. who does not really care about you is going to put you in a position to succeed when you've already got a build-up relationship with – um. You know, your current coach, there's just so Mm -hmm. many horror stories, but you got the success stories and everyone thinks they're one of those. But I do think there has to be some guardrails put up. I don't think anyone's going to come on here and say the transfer portal NIL is bad, but – just to have it be the wild, wild West was, was not the move. So I'm glad the, they got the windows. You know what? Now you go to get one free transfer unless you're a mm-hmm. graduate transfer, which is great. I just think all the, all the steps are coming into place to make it more manageable, but I don't think we're going to see it change anytime soon. And guys are looking for better and bigger opportunities. And at the end of the day, if they get, if they are getting bad advice, their career is only going as that bad as, as going as far as getting that bad advice from that person. Yeah, and I think
2: I think part of it was the NCAA wanted they wanted the Wild West because they wanted the government to come in and try to help rein it in in a sense. But I don't think they're gonna get that. I don't we don't think they're about gonna get the, yeah. They don't, they're not gonna get that that saving grace. For, but um,
1: hey, I do want to throw this up to doctor. Said uh the NCAA does not make rules. Members of the NCAA create the rules. The NCAA is a governance body, they enforce the policies that members uh membership uh the, uh decide to implement. So but yeah, yeah, and it's just the problem is that uh I think it's
4: the enforcing is yeah. is part of the biggest issue. Because yeah. the tampering's crazy. I mean, I'm sure you guys know some players too. I know players right now on rosters getting calls from coaches and other players and, and family mm-hmm. members like, hey, man, would you consider coming to play at X University? We can mm-hmm. offer you this. The coach told me that he's good with you. We saw your film. You want to come get this? And man, people are just going to get start getting picked apart, man, just just to be a number. Because how I put it to other FCS guys is if if you're a coach, at you know, we'll just use y'all school, LSU. What I would rather like because I know he's going to start for you guys. But let's just say Zay Alexander from Southeastern.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: I'd rather him go back up. Let's take it two years ago, Derek, you know, uh, Derek Stingley rather than have a true freshman back up, Derek exactly. Stingley. So exactly. I'm going to go tell Zay, man, you're going to come here, play all this. Guess what? No promises. I don't have to keep mm-hmm. anything. You can't transfer exactly. again. So guess what? You're going to go sit behind Derek Stingley just in case he gets hurt.
2: Yeah, and if he gets hurt, I got an insurance policy on
4: exactly him much. a really good one, by the way. Yeah, so the SEC
2: they made a rule to where in the spring window you can't transfer in conference. Do you think that that's something that the MIAC and the SWAC should look at to prevent yeah. to prevent a guy from playing in the spring with Gremlin, then going to Jackson State or Alcorn and taking everything that they just learned and all the playbook and everything to their rival.
4: Now that's the, that's the excuse to have it, but I, I'm, a, I'm all for an alternative perspective. Okay. All you're doing by doing that is strengthening other conferences. That's a good point. Cause, cause, uh, cause that's I think this is point. what the SEC is facing. You're that's building up USC. Yeah, you're Bear building Alexander up Texas did. right now. You're building up Florida state Clemson because all these great players can't stay in your conference. Cause now they're going elsewhere. Cause they, cause at the end of they the day, they can't come back. So, at the end of the day, if the coaches want to get inside intel on another university, you guys cover the SEC too. It already happens. Yeah. I don't need to go recruit a kid. I don't need to steal your information. All I got, is I can get it anyway. So yeah. I don't think it's as common as as people think it is. But I think it's a bad rule because you're strict. Because if the Swack and me, I do that. All the great players in the Swack that transfer Saffling. after the spring, guess what? They ain't going to another HBCU. They're going to Southland. They're going to sun, the Southland. No. They're going to the ASUN. sun They're going to the SoCon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes against what a lot of people want because I-, I see every time a Jackson player or a Southern player or-, or someone from the SWAC transfers, all the other fans are like, hey, st- st- come back to an HBCU. Yeah. Stay in the SWAC. We don't want to see you leave. Like I would love Earshot Davis to – transfer to Alcorn state transfer to grambling like stay in the SWAC, man you're great right. i, I want to see this guy come from the SWAC and make it at the next level but if you do that guess what earshot davis is going to go play for ut martin or incarnate mm-hmm. word and then yeah. you're going to be watching him like man that that, that could have been a guy who you know we could have said got drafted from an hbcu and now guess what they're getting drafted from another university in the FCS or even group of five.
1: Yeah, because uh um, it, it 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 hurts a lot of people. Um look at a guy like Tank dill Um all that talent left AM and you know he's at Houston and people look are are kind of clowning AM. And if he had to say went to somewhere else, then you can say, Hey, this is H you know, say HBCU product and stuff. But now it, it looks like Oh, he was at A&M, but he got developed at Houston. Mhm. So. Yeah.
2: But at the same time, at the same time, it's hard to knock Tank Dell because he's one of the success stories. Right, right. Yeah. You know what I mean? He he's one of the ones who went from a HBCU to a bigger, you can't argue bigger program in the sense of, you know, the conference that they play in. Right. And it worked out for him where well, there's other guys who made the jump to a similar conference and like the guy uh Dave just mentioned who went to Boston College you know what i mean he made a jump to a, a bigger conference in terms of the the conference and didn't work out for him as well so I, it's hard to really knock tank whenever you see he's probably going to be a second round pick
4: i i, agree. I think I think uh, Kalen Newton would be a really, really good example from mm. what could go wrong. If true freshman year leads Howard to the greatest upset incident play history, you know, all meak. I mean, he, he, he's the future of that QB position. Mm-hmm. Transfers to Auburn. I don't know if he saw a single snap over two seasons at Auburn. Transfers back to Mike London at William and Mary and becomes like their leading receiver the final two years of his career. So, what could he have been if he would have stayed at Howard or even stayed at William & Mary? Like, I get if you want yeah. to go with your head coach, Mike London, after he leaves Howard. I get that. But I just feel like, man, how different would we look back at Kayla Newton's career if he doesn't waste two and a half years of sitting on the bench at Auburn?
3: Yeah.
2: That's it. So, I want your your opinion on some of the transfers that we've seen enter the SWAC recently. Fam, you added like a thousand pounds in two days. Um <laughs> and then, you know, uh, we've seen some Jackson State man, a couple guys, you know, just what are your thoughts on some of the guys coming into the portal? I mean, coming into the conference from the portal.
4: Um, I, I think adding the you know, the former five-star offensive lineman um from LSU was huge for fam because I they, they were losing a lot of size on the offensive line. Let's just be honest. they they had a lot of Guys who probably weren't really turning out on the offensive line, and so I really think that's a that's a day one starter. Now we know the question with him was keeping his weight down. That's kind of what uh-huh. played into him not seeing yeah. the field at LSU. But based on the pictures I've seen, he looks like I don't think he weighs as much as what they had him listed as right now. It looks like he kind of got his weight under you know under uh, together and playing uh-huh. down in FAMU. Hopefully, they get him on that good strength and conditioning program. Now I will say. The transfer from Southeastern Louisiana to Jackson. John Graves, the third, that's a big pickup. I got to see that kid. He was a game changer against Idaho in that first-round playoff game uh, down in Hammond. I think he ended the game with six or seven tackles from the from the defensive tackle spot, which is huge, and was getting pressures on Giovanni McCoy and, and some of those guys. So I think John Graves. Putting him in the middle to combine with Jeremiah Williams and Devontae Davis for Jackson State was huge. You got Gaddy, Uh Doyle, the Phillip Webb transfer from LSU as well at the edge spot. That defensive line looks loaded for Jackson State. So I think those are the two guys that really stand out to me. Also, the kid from Wofford, uh, the defensive back that Jackson landed, that's a guy that has so much experience. And with Jackson really replacing a lot in the defensive back room, that's a guy who you know has starting experience at the FCS level, has produced at a high level, and you know you can throw him in there if anything happens. Even if he doesn't start, it's always great to have a guy who started multiple games at the SCS level to kind of lean back on. So I think those are three guys that really stand out to me at this point. Yeah. And
2: man, Jackson, they've, they've, basically replaced the entire secondary but like you said they've got guys who got experience Lots of gut three you know what i mean and this kid from they they went they went and got new faces but they got guys who know what to do at the collegiate level and know what it takes to win at the and playmakers too in a sense especially with yeah. some of the guys on their defensive line
1: yeah shout out to doc because doc was, when he was on last week uh he said that he thinks that they actually improved
4: uh yeah. the secondary so uh, covers, which is okay. saying
2: something, honestly, you know what it I mean.
4: Yeah. I, I want to see the corners, improve. like in corners, it's going to be tough for me to say, like, you definitely improved in coverage just because I mean, you had some studs at the cornerback, especially yeah. Nugget and some of those guys. So that's right. that's a little tough for me to say, but safety wise, absolutely. Asias Guthrie mm-hmm. is one of the best saf- safeties in college football at the FCS level, so absolutely, because I don't think they had a guy. Of, Safety who really stuck out to me last year is a game changer in terms of interceptions, racking up stats, like tracking the ball, being a leader. Asaias Guthrie is that dude. And so I think Jalen Hughes is a young guy. I just talked to him today for my show, but he's a guy who I'm expecting to take a big step forward. A Juco kid out of Snow College. You look at Kevrick uh, Wiggins coming back too. That was a big, that was a big keep for them, man, because he could have easily left. And so yeah. I think having him on the other side is, is a big pickup, but I need to see the corner unit with the bullets flying before I say they improve, man, because I don't want to disrespect Nugget or Travis or yeah. any guys like that. Cause they had some studs in their corner. Isaiah Bolden mm-hmm.
1: as well. Mm-hmm. Like
4: they had some dogs in their quarterback cornerback room. So I don't know if I can say that just
1: yet. I, I, I want to I think I want to well, I guess I will gonna say that the overall as a unit. They improve versus, but I, I get I what you saying. You're different. that far, bro. Yeah, that's
2: true. You, you are. I mean, until they until they show me how they replace an Aubrey Miller.
1: <laughs> no, no, not defensive. Just the oh, you were saying secondary wise. Well, secondary. Oh,
4: okay.
1: Real. Okay, I
2: got
4: you. Okay. See, I man. always I always separate my like when I like when I do positional grades and stuff. I don't like grading defensive backs as like an overall unit. I like I feel like you have to separate it corner and safety i don't know if that's just like a weird thing i do but it's just like man comparing because man they do such like you need something completely different out of a safety than you do a (laughs) true boundary corner and then even like a slot gob the skill sets are totally
2: different yeah
4: yeah because like isaiah bolden like he can kind of do both but most slot true slot corners are not very good boundary corners
1: yeah that is funny at the same time M. Rob. Uh and, and uh me at Mike said the same thing. Dell Del Dale State is a foreign citizen for JSU, and then Miat came where he was. I mean, they was like at the same time said everything JSU needs is at Delaware
4: State. Uh <laughs> well they landed uh, that you know, punter yeah. too, right? The all-American mm-hmm. punter. I think he yeah. had I think he had a streak on it was like six of eleven games. He had a sixty yard punt with a career long of eighty.
2: That's crazy.
4: That's ignorant for a punter. Like, I don't <laughs> think people give punters enough like that's a game 80? changer right there. 80? 80 was
2: his career yeah, long last
4: year. That's flipping. That's flipping the field right
2: there for sure. Big time,
4: big time. Damn, that's crazy. Man, man, man. Was that
2: the running back? Everybody. Yeah, because
4: yeah, yeah, Savion. I forgot about Savion coming before. You know, oh, he just transferred. Yeah. Oh, out. yeah, yeah Savion was from yeah, Delaware yeah. State.
2: I forgot about
1: that. Yeah. yeah. Zach, man, uh, where you going next? Uh, uh, I
4: know, screen game is over, but what, what you got next? Man, I'm taking a break, man. I, I'm <laughs> done traveling for right now, man. So okay. no travel. Probably I probably won't travel unless something crazy comes up or there's an opportunity. Probably media day at the end okay. of the in, 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 end end July. So I'll probably hit. I gotta see where all the because they change so often. Probably South. I'll probably do what I did last year. Go to Southland, OVC, Swag, Miag, Asun, um you Know and hit some of those, possibly fly out to big uh big sky media day. Man, it'll just depend on where everything is. But with a lot of these conference alignments, ASUN, WAC, also um, Big South OVC are doing it together this year because they're a combined conference. Oh, so. yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah. yeah so we'll kind of the travel hopefully. World
1: Alliance or some or United mm-hmm. Alliance, it sounds like the, they sound one like them, uh, XFLU, you, <laughs> you, uh,
4: the AAF. A- a- o- <laughs> yeah. yeah like the way you pronounce it, like it looks like it's like the yak. Like you gotta like clear yeah. your throat with it. is, uh, it was a horrible name choice. Yeah. All right, well, man, what was that? Tell the people where they can find you. Yeah, man, you can uh, find us on YouTube, the Blue Bloods, the Blue Bloods, man. Post on there, i oh, just about every day. Twitter at the underscore Blue Bloods and then myself at Zach McKinnell, man. I just appreciate y'all having me, all man. Two times this week, oh, man. I appreciate it, Zach.
1: Man, you know, you, sure. you 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 good with us, man. I always. I told you, you know, when I come next time, I come down to Mobile, man. We gonna. Yeah, I
2: was I guess, supposed to link up
4: with you. I know, I man. To, like, go, yeah,
2: but the, the bugs, bro. I could I could <laughs> I couldn't take it, bro. The bugs, man.
4: But I went straight in for halftime. Like I don't even know if the clock hit zero, and I was because no, look, I I, I was
2: finna walk down there at halftime, and like right, I went to go throw away my trash and stuff, and I looked back at the field. I was like, I don't see him no more. Where he went, <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's I was awesome. out of there. I went
4: I went to the locker room. I had to upload some pictures. I was like, I'll come back out when they get this under control. Yeah, I, I saw and look, you came
2: out right whenever they right whenever like the first nap, but I was like, he timed that perfectly.
1: <laughs> man, I gotta get uh, I gotta get down to Mobile, man. Give me some uh, I, I'm last time I was down there, I did not get my sub king. I gotta get sub king when I get down
4: there. To... Hey man, there's a lot of good places to eat. Let me tell yeah. you, like, if you go to like, especially downtown Mobile, man, you can just walk in somewhere and get some good food, man. That's why I love about the South. That's why I'm telling you, Louisiana and Alabama got the food on oh, lot. Gosh. Like all the like no offense to everyone from Jackson or Mississippi or this like I hear them talk about food all the time. Louisiana and and Alabama Gulf Coast, it's unmatched. Yeah. My wife when already knows
2: you was down here. I know you went to uh they take you to Ponchatoula's.
4: Mm-mm. No, I I didn't do a lot um, there because I, I had a lot of interviews the night before, so okay. I got to the hotel and I was just working. So I didn't. I I got canes. I did get that man. I'm a, I'm, I'm all about some canes, man. Got no something quick. There you go. Let I <laughs> tell people all the time, man, canes is the chicken place. I'm telling you. I, uh,
1: my wife know when I go to Mobile. She know. Um, uh, I'm like if I say I'll, I'll be right back. She already know. I'm gonna sneak. out the one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hit the two. I don't hit the tour spots. I hate them spots I
4: know. Yeah. Yeah. So oh I I get it, man. Listen, because there's a lot of touristy spots down here, but if you know the right place to get into, man, you got everything seafood, barbecue, whatever, whatever you want, man. So there's definitely and that's that's why everyone down here, like they're like, Man, you, you look like you played offensive line. I'm like, Hell yeah, I do. Like, have you tried to eat down here? Like, I tell people <laughs> all the time, Louisiana, Alabama, man, it's hard to stay thin down here, man.
2: You ain't lying about that, dog. Well, man,
1: uh, and you got anything for we get up out of here? Uh,
2: no, nah, All I want to say is that uh, ground and baseball is gonna win the Swag West. That's all I got to say.
1: Okay, okay. Oh man, Alabama State, man! What a weekend in baseball with the sweep over Bethune. Bethune was current. Yeah, like, they needed that though. They, they needed, needed that. that. Yeah. Um, but man, I do want to say, uh, shout out to you know, what I'm saying our sponsors over at uh, BetOnline.ag. Man, this show is presented by them uh we'll be back on Thursday and uh the
2: if NFL nothing else draft
1: man, talk. NFL draft talk yeah if nothing else man we got